0: Oh, welcome Derv's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango.
1: And, and, uh, and I am your co-host, Buddy. Hello, I'm paying attention and also ready to do this. I'm your <laughs> co-host, Buddy. <laughs> and today we're going to talk a little bit about Humankind. But before we do that, Buddy, watch tell the folks at home it needs to be do on this podcast. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. And uh, Humankind is the new 4X game from, God, what are, what are they called? Amplify Media Amplifier or, something like or, or something like
0: that? Amplify Andromeda or something like that.
1: Yeah no. yeah yeah. So these are the guys. So if you are if you are an average strategy gamer, you will know them from the series Endless Space and Endless Legend, right? These are the two. Oh, these are the same people. I didn't realize. These are that. the same I mean, people. Yeah. So these are those guys. Endless Space is obviously a space-centered 4X game. Endless Legend is a sort of fantasy flavored 4X game. Endless Dungeon um, and, is kind of like a roguelite. Yeah, yeah. And uh and humankind is just Civ. <laughs> it's just another. It's like, if this released and it was Civ 7, I would not be surprised. I would be like, oh, Civ 7 is out. Look at this. It, yeah. I, it's, like, it's got all of civilization no, uh, things. Uh, honestly, if someone's. It's like, it's, say, it's Civ 7. It's like, oh,
0: Civ 7 out and they stole these ideas from Endless Legend. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's funny. Um,. Uh, I we will, we'll obviously get to talk about a lot of this stuff or whatever, but um, in a world where it feels like 4 games have made a lot of... Like, strategy games in general, right, have changed a lot over time, right? right. Where, um, for a long time, I sort of think Civ was the dominant form, right? And then it kind of evolved over the last couple of years, maybe I say over the last five years or so, to be more paradox-focused. I never see people talk about Civ games, but I see people talk about Stellaris games constantly, right? Um, it's funny to go back to Civ, to have Civ be sort of, uh, you know, like the, the game, I guess, um, that if you're looking for, like, a strategy experience, like, that's what you're, that's where you're going to gravitate to. So, you know, here we are.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm curious about how much this reflects among the normies, as it were, because, like, the Paradox games, like, Stellaris, I think, blew up, because Stellaris is, I think, pretty easily the most approachable of the paradox games and also like the most traditional styled right like crusader kings and uh eu4 right you're jumping into a point in history right and everything's already established whereas stellaris, you yep. you're starting from like from you know ground zero right i also think that like i uh, don't just thinking about it right like they, they, like you see this with the difference between endless space and like stellaris and all this is like planetary based stuff doesn't have like the same terrain stuff, right? Like it's all abstracted yeah. away to a certain certain extent. Whereas,
1: and I, and you know, and I have to say, I like that, right? Like it's it's it is very Star Wars, right? Where yeah. it's like, oh, this planet, it's the desert planet, right? You know, because that's this how planet? you know
0: biomes work, right? <laughs> but... Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Um Which is you know like which is cool, which is fun. Yeah. I I like I you know I I don't want to shit on Stellaris. Stellaris is probably. Total War Warhammer 2 would be my favorite. But Solaris would probably be my second, right? For a long time, I would have said Europa Universalis. And I did, for a long time, I went back and back and back and back to Europa Universalis. But after a while, their DLC packs, I just found less and less interesting to go back to. Um, especially because they kept un- rewriting these arcane, archaic systems, right? Like, it took me forever to figure out how to make money off of trade power, and I was so excited, and then literally they made one, they made one patch where they're like, we're changing trade power. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> you know, whatever, right? But Stellaris, I I still go back to every once in a while, right? The new, the new DLC comes back I play a new I play a new version of the game. I also think Solaris, just by the nature of it being a space game, has a lot more varieties of ways in which you can play. We'll talk about that in more detail a little bit later. Um, but uh, yeah, so it is it is interesting to be coming back so thoroughly to this very Civ formula, right? Right. And I think I've characterized in the past that I think of it as like I think I outgrew it, right? Like I I feel like when we talked about Civ Six. I was talking about how I had outgrown it as a strategy player. It's too simplistic for me, right? I wanted more crunch. I wanted more, you know, equations and shit. Um, and uh, I guess I'm interested to say that humankind legitimately grabbed me, and I was, you know, I was in it. I was yeah. with it, right? Oh, yeah. So, so um, the,
0: the first night I played this, I went more turned myself till 2.30 a.m. So oh, you know- yeah,
1: me too. I did it until 5 a.m., Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, no, uh, I the bad part for me was that the next morning there was a literal jackhammer outside of my window at 7 a.m. So I, oh my God. Yeah. But you know, that's the that, other, that there, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, um, it, it really, it grabbed me as well. Um, part of it, I think might just be kind of like coming back to it, right? Cause I, you know, one of my... Big, I'm not going to call it a criticism because I haven't played this on any of the harder difficulties, but it was, like, sure. very easy. Right? I've relatively early gotten to, like, spam the end turn button until, like, when happens, right? Um, wow.
1: That's very different. You. We, we talked about this a little bit off cast. And, it's, and I think that that's a really interesting note because it is also... Um. I don't know. Civ, I get that feeling. And I like I find Civ games very easy. This game I felt like I was crunching, and I legitimately lost. In my second game, I legitimately lost. I just straight up lost. Yeah, and I, I was like, "Oh my god! I've never been. This has never happened to me before." What, what difficulty did you play your second game on? Just the regular, just Town? the regular difficulty. Yeah, I okay. guess. What well, I, I must be set on that by by that, nature, that, right? That,
0: that is what it dumps you into. Um, okay. And, yeah, and, I mean.
1: And so I, I wonder, I just like wonder what like the contours of that might look like. Um, the only other difficulty I know of is Quill18 was playing on, who is, you know, a strategy guy. He's like the strategy YouTuber as far as I, yeah, I think that's know, fair. can think yeah. of, right? And, uh, and, he, and his first game he played on 10. He talked about how he plays Civ on Deity and he thinks Deity is too easy. He never loses on Deity. Which, to be fair, I sort of think I don't know that I want to sieve difficulty that where I lose, but, um. And uh, and he talked about how town legitimately gave him a run for his money, and I wanted, to, and I think we will we'll dig into the specifics of why, I guess, in a bit.
0: Yeah, this might be like a like a, a particular start type thing, um. And I've got some some other comments too, but yeah. Like, so
1: tell tell me all about your uh. Tell me all about your your game.
0: Yeah. So um, you know. I started out on a continent with one other player and I pretty quickly expanded and I jumped, I did SD for like the first two or three cultures uh, that I went through, which I actually think, I think maybe we should, we should pause and talk about this. I think this is a really neat way to do the strategy game, right? Like you don't choose your culture from the outset and are locked into it for the whole game, right? Like you, you choose it as you go along. Every time you age up, you can either extend your age or, or boost or uh, change civs to, um,
1: yeah, so there, are, so there are seven different ages, and for each one you get a specific, you know, you get a specific culture. And the first person to the age gets to choose, right? You know, if somebody has already picked the Huns, you can't choose the Huns, for instance. Um, interesting. Okay, so what was the first culture you went through?
0: Uh, Olmecs. Uh, okay. Which is, which which are, they have the Olmec heads, which, like, give you um, influence off of farms um, or farmers Interesting.
1: Towards. Okay. Really interesting. Yeah. Okay. My first one was Egypt. I went, this is this, part of this is the, the kind of strategy player that I am. Like I almost always, I see the little gears, I see production and that's what I go for. Right. In Civ you call it production in this, it's called industry in, right. you know, um, in Stellaris, it's also called something. It's almost always orange for some reason. Yeah. I kind of feel like it's legendary colors, right? Like it's, it's, the color scheme has now been ported from game to game to game, so it's sort of a, a yeah. genre staple, right? Like, yeah, I think you know, yellow set this. is gold.
0: Yeah, I, I think Civ set this initially, right? Like, yeah, you know. um, blue and is
1: science. Blue is always science. Yeah, blue is always science.
0: Um, Green is food. Orange is yeah. production. Um, purple is like social capital. Yeah, of some purple. Sort. Yeah,
1: that's exactly <laughs> it. It's called influence in this. It's called influence in Stolaris. I don't know what it's called in Civ. Is it just called culture? I it's, think it's, it's, just it's either culture,
0: culture or diplomacy. Although culture might be slightly different because right? there, there is culture. You know, culture is purple. But I think they also have a secondary resource. I think that's like diplomacy points, which I think is also purple. I don't
1: know. Oh my god, yeah. you're right. And I think that is called influence actually. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um uh so I almost always go for like the you know, just raw production, right? I I just wanna put mines and I wanna my I wanna put gears down on the map and have big gears, and I want to complete all my buildings in two turns, you know. I want to pump out a million military units or whatever. So my very first civ was the Egyptians, who are built for that because you can build the pyramids, and pyramids give you a bunch of, they they just give you a bunch of fucking... Yeah, I think the (laughs) the the great pyramids are also a wonder, which I also think is an interesting system. Um, Yeah, okay, so the difference for Wonders is when you get a certain amount of influence, which is purple points, right, social kind of capital, um, you can buy a Wonder off the list, and you own it for life, right, and you can build it whenever you want, and you never compete for Wonders, which I think is huge, by the way, like, I was just thinking, I was like, how many times have I been, like, scooped at a Wonder by, like, some other civilization, right? Or, because I'm, like, going insane to, to maximize my production, how many times am I able to, like, scoop a wonder out from under another civilization? I see him building the pyramids, and I'm like, oh, I can do that in six turns? Like, let's go. <laughs> like- yeah, yeah. No, and um, part of
0: it, too, is you can only lock one wonder at a time. Um, but part of this is why I asked w- Astute um, is the culture um, or the, 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 the influence-generating Civ level... Um, and early, like, so later on, you build things with, or you, you buy new territory with gold, but early on it's with influence, right? It's almost kind of like a Crusader Kings 3, right? Like, if you're playing tribal, you use um, prestige, and if you're feudal, you use gold. Um, but early on, it was like, oh, to take new territories, I need influence, and to upgrade, you know, outposts to cities, I need influence, and to capture wonders, I need influence. So I'm just going to start, like, spinning up influence, right? Um, and you can also use that to, to build to to capture or to influence the neutral uh, territories. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, so that's why that's why I initially went with Olmex. Also, I, I felt like I was like, oh, I can get culture off of farms. It, it's 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 an improvement that for every adjacent farm you get uh, an influence. It's like you know early on I'm probably going to want to do farms to like get myself uh, you know situated and like get get enough food. Right? Like I found like towards. The end of the game. A lot of it was like keeping my food high enough that like my my uh, my cities kept growing instead of like falling over themselves. Um, yeah,
1: so. actually, never had an issue with that on my on my end. But I think that part of that is because of how I ended up building my uh my my cities over time. Yeah. So the first thing that I did was I went e- Egypt, and I basically didn't run into a whole uh, to another civilization until the next age, which I think is the classical age and i can't remember oh i think i picked carthage as my no 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 the i need persians maybe i there so, was one that increased my city cap and i was like that's what i want cuz i had pretty quickly taken a couple of territories and i didn't understand the attach mechanic at first so i was like each territory is going to become a city right Um, so I just tried to, like, pump my my city cap as much as I possibly could.
0: I I do want to pause for a second, because I do think that the opening to the game is very clever, in that you, like, you start as, like, tribesmen, not anything. Yes, you start in
1: the Neolithic age, where you're running around as your tribe, and you're, like, fighting animals and shit.
0: Yeah, and, like, you're walking over, like, food sources to, like, you know, your your people will eat enough food that they, like, spawn more units. I thought that was very cool. And then, relatively quickly, you, you, you go into the, uh... Into the first like real era, but I thought that was a very cool way to start the game.
1: Yeah, it also should be noted that the way you progress the eras is not like in Civ. It is based on yeah the tech tree. In this, it is based on what are called what's called like fame or stars. So like as you progress along certain kind of avenues, right? Like population, number of districts, um, number of territories that you've claimed, uh, number of enemy units that you've killed. Right? Like you get these stars. And when you get a certain amount of stars, you progress into the next age, yeah, um, which is slightly the,
0: distinct from fame because fame are your victory points. Whoever yeah, has the yeah, most, fame yeah. To yeah. Fame and is as you it. do
1: this stuff, you will gain fame, yeah. which will then later serve as your victory points. Um, and then, um, and then, anyway, the um, the the very first star is different because it doesn't care about any of that stuff. It just cares if you have a big enough population, if you got enough science, and if you got seven, you killed seven wild animals, right? So it is, like, very built to this sort of nomadic horde lifestyle or whatever. Yeah. And something that's interesting is that you
0: don't have to get every star, right? Like, I, I did not kill, I did not have a fight until I was already in the first era, like, the first real era, po- post-Neolithic. So um, I just, like, ran over a bunch of food a bunch and spawned a bunch of units. So, um, so yeah, I thought that was very cool. Um, I I actually stuck with the Olmecs through the Second Age. Um, really? Yeah. Um, what, I'm not,
1: what, for any particular reason?
0: Um, I liked the Olmec heads, and I didn't particularly like any of the choices in the second age. Um, at that point in time, um, I don't know if that's actually a smart thing to do, right? Like, cause like you get a bonus on your fame points. I think early it might be okay. I, I, uh, I basically I did this. I think I kept all of my civilizations, um, for two ages
1: apiece. Um, Real? Wow, that is crazy to me. Yeah. I immediately switched because all of the civilizations have a passive bonus that you keep throughout the entirety of the game, right? Um, and I saw that and I was like, 10% fame is absolutely not worth whatever this passive bonus is. Like my first, So my first passive bonus was whatever the Egyptians get, which is something production-related that I don't quite remember. Um... I think it it might just be, like, plus industry on, like, stone or, like, rivers or something like that. Um, But then my second one was plus city cap, right? It was this one that was plus city cap and also, I think, a little bit of stability or something like that. Which also quickly became something I was very worried about. I was constantly hitting stability issues that I needed to, like, shore up all the time, right? Um and uh, and and like as, and so I wanted to I wanted to get those bonuses to carry them forward throughout every age and I always really liked the bonuses that I got which was crazy, um but I was building so much that I ba- basically instantaneously got three stars in any era in the building districts part because I had honestly kind of by the mid game I had like eleven cities no I think I had ten cities. Because I think I was two over the cap, and I think my cap was eight at the time. And um, so I had ten cities who were, like, either building infrastructure or districts half the time. So, you know, if the era thing is, like, build 15 districts, that took me, like, ten turns. Like, I was immediately onto onto the, the first three stars of that. See, this is... In, this, in whatever I was doing. This is
0: interesting because I, I should... I, I couldn't tell you exactly how I was doing it because, like, I basically got it so far ahead that I was, like, I stopped paying attention to, like, the, the minor mechanics. But, like, part of the reason why I stuck with my... um with my civilizations for two ages was I would, I would age out before I was able to research the tech to build, like, their unique units. Like, well, I wanted to check out, like, the... The machine gun elephants. So right? you. So
1: I do want to say you keep those units even if you head into a new thing. Right, but you, you can't build, build, build the them anymore. Yeah, you can. Really? really? I I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure okay. I did. I, I, I mean, know- I might be wrong. I w- the thing that I was insanely behind on was science. I ended the game. I don't think anybody got into the contemporary era of science. Oh, yeah. I think we were all doing like same. Yeah, it was like I which to be to be honest feels like a miss like balancing. Yeah, I,
0: I think that's got to be it. Like I was getting like in game like events like the, the civics events for um for for global warming before I generated any pollution at all. Really? Yeah. And I was wow. the only yeah. one.
1: I was the only one like I think by the end of the game, I might have been the only person producing pollution. <laughs> right. Just I was definitely not. I was. But I was the Germans. And so in the modern era, which is the sixth era, it's not even the seventh era. I was the Germans, right? And the German unique unit is the U boat. It's the it's like the submarine. And I was like, okay, well, you know, like that's fine, Wh- whatever. I'm doing this for the production because the Germans are a factor. Like their their unique thing was like a just an in, insane a factory, factory that yeah. generates a million production or whatever. Uh, but I was like, yeah, sure, like I'll I'll build some U boats. The game ended before I researched the technology, which was in the era six to build a u-boat like i had just gotten the coal which would have been needed to build to research that you know to research like that technology um though i will say that i was incredibly behind on science the entire time um in civ i have always found that passive science like like science, you can be passive about and keep up. That did not seem to be the case here. It seemed like if I was ignoring science, which I essentially was, um, you're fucked. <laughs> you yeah, you I, can't progress at all. I, I think
0: part of that. So part of that, I think, is that um like because I was, you know, I I have played enough. Say so back in college, um, uh, a friend or one one of our mutual friends, uh, Danny, was very into to Civ Four, and we used to play a multiplayer game, and he was like hardcore about optimizing so i learned a lot of tricks from him right um and so i'm like looking over my production and whatever and whatnot but like when you go to build the science quarter there's just places that aren't don't seem as good as building like a workshop or a farm right like the like the the workshop tiles and the farm tiles are always like here's 30 production and science is like, like if you get 10 right so um and maybe that balances out um, in a better like maybe like the numbers are just a little bit different, but I always was looking. was looking. It's like, well, why wouldn't I build a farm? Why wouldn't I build a workshop? Yeah. So
1: the re I the, what I figured out late game when I when I realized this problem, maybe it was like turn two hundred or something, right? I realized that this was a problem, and, um, and the, the funny part, I was in a war at the time um, where the enemy had. Upgraded from pikemen to halberdiers and I was still on pikemen and I had these jaguar warriors because I was Aztecs Which by the way fucking Aztecs are broken. They are the grossest, like medieval sieve. Holy shit! I had these jaguar warriors from the Aztecs that fight at full strength even when they're damaged. And I had so much raw production that I basically just threw <laughs> legions of jaguar warriors at their halberdiers and I won. Like, I won this war, but I was like, I can't have this happen again, right? Like, this that's a huge problem. So, what I realized is the research quarters benefit from synergy way more than any of the other quarters benefit from synergy, right? And I feel like what it wants you to do is to take one city and, like, specialize in research, which is kind of what I ended up doing. I took that city and I made a, um, I made a seven hex, which was one research quarter surrounded by six more research quarters. And that city was half my research for basically the rest of the game. Um, I, 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 bet I, you,
0: I bet you what it wants you to do is, like, I by the, towards the end of the game, I had, like... You know, some northern Arctic zone that was like an island with nothing on it. It's like, go put all your research there because you're not going to get anything good out of it anyway, right? Like, yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, but yeah, that makes that makes sense now that now that you say it, right? Like,
1: but even then, you know, like even then, and I was I was I caught up in research to everybody else, and I was kind of on par or whatever. But I but I was never able to like break into that those the upper echelon. Yeah, um, I, may, maybe maybe that's like
0: a game time thing, like. It feels like the, like there's just slightly there was the balance is slightly off. I, I do think this was in early access, so I think that like and there's a little bit of roughness around the edges you can see in places. Like I I encountered a couple of like minor you know like interface bugs or whatnot.
1: Yeah, I encountered a lot of like weird interface shit that was like you tell a unit to do a thing and it doesn't do it right or
0: whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, um, like it's it's definitely not as polished as a Civilization is, right? Um, which, yeah. Uh, you know. All of of Firaxis and Sid Meier behind it. Um,
1: But uh, I do, so I do want to, like, come back to this thought of, so the thing that I got out of the Aztecs was plus two land movement speed for all of my units, which basically turns all of your infantry into cavalry, because they're just, like, running around, and that, and it's a militaristic civ, right, which wants you to get into fights, you know, like, military civs. Oh, and also, I had built the Forbidden Palace at that point, which increases your war... When, when a ward gets declared, you immediately get plus 25 war score, wherever your war score is. So as a militaristic civ, which starts your war score at 80, um, I immediately start, no matter where I'm at, at 100% war score, which was just like, okay, I'm just going to, like, fight guys constantly. Um, and... The process of fighting reminded me, like, this is maybe the most that the game has felt, like, Endless Space or Endless Legend. Really Endless Legend, right? Which was a feature I fucking hated in Endless Legend. It really turned me off to the game. And I put maybe, like, 10 or 15 hours in and immediately, like, dipped, right? Uh, but in this version, I was so with it. I thought it was so much fun. Um, which is these sort of um, oh on-map battles, yeah. Um, where you get an army, you get, you get a bunch of units, you, you clump, put, clump them all together in an army, your army hits another army, and it designates a portion of the, the, the continent as a battlefield for the next couple of turns, right? Where your units get deployed, and you can move around mountains and everything like that, and it was incredibly, like, complex and strategic in a way that I have not felt in a Civ game in a long time.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, um, you know, Post Civ 4, they don't allow you to death stack anymore. But, like, I I, I agree, right? Like, they they put, like, caps on the number of units you can stack, and that influences, like, how big a battle that can play out. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't have a ton of opportunity to fight, like... Like no one, yeah, because you were only with one other guy, right? And they were like super subservient to me, and
1: I was like, I never had a war, <laughs> like at all. Really? Okay, I was constantly fighting. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, because um, so what, what happened? Did you did you like declare territory near them or whatever? I so I did, but like they were
0: already behind me enough that they didn't have problems, and I kept my continent with with the with the other guys. By the end of the game, I don't think anybody else had any like ships, right? Like no one was like. Like even like trying to challenge me, huh. in terms like the only person that could have was um, was the person on my continent, and they were like enamored with me. Like I was like like I had culturally dominated them so much. Like you someone would be like you're oppressing my people, I'd be like give me that territory. They were like
1: okay, here have it. <laughs> and- wow, I had a very opposite experience. My the the two guys on my civilization or on my on my continent. Fucking hated me the whole time and constantly fought me. Anytime I did anything on the border, right? Like I, you know, you 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 pop an outpost and they're like, give me the outpost. And I'm like, no. And then they declare war. And you're just like well fuck, okay, I guess. And the first war I did really poorly, actually. I lost territory, but I ended up winning the war just by sticking it out. Part of part of the thing is that my um my continent is it, it it kind of reminds me of like Uh, like the Texas to Florida, Florida, like the Gulf Belt, right? right? Where my capital was at the very bottom, think like Miami, right? And these two civilizations were both packed in Texas, right? So I kind of had the whole of... Like Florida, the Panhandle, I had up to maybe like Louisiana, right? That was just all my territory, so they had no way to ever disrupt my production centers, and I could just constantly fart units onto the front line, you know. So it didn't—it didn't really matter how many things I like lost or whatever, but um. Uh, but I was just—we were just fighting all the time, and it eventually got to a point where we were ping-ponging, where I was at war with the top empire and then I would get peace with them and then I would go to war with the bottom empire and we would just go back and forth until I killed I, I drove them both off the continent I took out, took over everything yeah so I, I feel like I got into
0: like this is like another classic Civ thing where it's like I'm not I'm like I'm producing like you know single digit numbers of units ever just because and it wasn't quite that bad but it's like I don't really need to pop units and if I think something's scary I will just go and throw in like you know, four units and buy them out because I have, like, ungodly amounts of gold, right? Like, I'll rush sure. production. Um, and, like, you know, I'm, like, you know, I have guns and they still have pikemen,
1: so. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's really interesting. Yeah, I kind of fucked myself initially because I went very hard on mounted units. The way I won that first war was mounted units where um i lost the territories but that didn't that that counts against you but it doesn't really hurt that bad right the thing that really hurts is taking a city if one of your city gets taken you are minus it's minus four war score per per turn so you're on a ticking clock at that point right um but they kept so they they ransacked my outposts um which destroys them and you know, like they took them over or whatever. But that's like a one-time hit of a couple of war score, which, which which was not a big deal. But because I was Egypt, I had had these chariots. My my archers were chariot archers, actually, was specifically what it was. So I went like a million chariot archers, and I eventually just beat them by outproducing them with chariot archers, right? But then I kind of fucked myself because then I had all these chariot archers, and I was like, oh, it's the new age. Let's upgrade these into you know whatever. You upgrade them into like horsemen of some variety, some kind of cavalry thing, right? Um, but the there were so many, but by this point, they had turned a lot of their territories into cities. I had reconquered the territories that were initially taken from me and turned those into cities. And all of those cities were building up palisades and building up stone walls all around them, right? And cavalry can't scale a wall right like you can't move through a palisade so my army was almost entirely cavalry and anytime i would get in a fight i couldn't fucking do anything because these cities were so close to each other that it was just like wall-to-wall combat and i mean that literally like going from one wall to another wall is like you know the state of combat or whatever and i eventually just had to like completely rehaul you know overhaul my army to be these jaguar warriors and uh, and win wars by spamming Jaguar Warriors, I guess. That's
0: super interesting. I'm, 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 I'm thinking about this and I'm trying to figure out like maybe there was some inflection point that I'm missing. So in terms of like why I was able to get so far ahead, the first thing I want to point out is that, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit off cast, but something I learned from my Civ Four days is the importance of chopping uh, as we mm-hmm. called it, which is like cutting down forests to boost production. And uh, because you don't have to build workers in this game, which I think is neat, um, Like, my warriors and scouts, I was just like, go chop wood when, like, there was nothing better for them to do, right? And so, like, they would knock down a forest and get a bunch of bonus production. So, I think that might have helped. The other thing that happened, which was interesting, is, like, in the fog, one of these independent civilizations popped up. Um, Like, these minor, they're, like, nation-state equivalents from Civ. Um, Uh. And, like, I was like, I don't want this one here. It's annoying. And so, I was like, I'll go fight it. And I went, like, I sent an army, I, I sent an army to attack it, and it just converted right like there's like nothing around so i just like instant took it so maybe like that was like just a free city that boosted me up um
1: yeah normally you have to compete for those um i, I never no, had a problem i like, of took it by s-
0: force right like i literally walked a unit on top of it and there was no resistance wait really yeah like that's there just, how that works um I think maybe a little bit later they'll build their own defenses, but there was just, like, I guess they had caught it so early that they didn't have any units. I just literally, like, walked on top of it and was like, "Yeah, this is yours now. I was like, wait, no, that's not this what I want This really wanted.
1: frustrates me. So uh, this didn't happen in my first game. In my first game, I just didn't have any of these cities. Or actually, I think I there was one on the, the sort of Texas side of my of my continent, but it got conquered pretty early by one of the other civilizations, so it just like was another city that we fought over, or whatever. Um, but in my second game, there are a bunch of these, which uniquely, my second game I did a little on the longer turn pace of Endless, and my second game I also did um, uh, Huge, A Bigger World, right? Um, and so it seems that there have just been more cities that have spawned in that game, just because there's more free space, basically, that that's the game that, by the way, that I that I lost, um, which was because I made one good un- I made one good army. And I thought it would be enough to protect me from my warlike neighbors to the south. And they came with two moderately powerful armies. And they killed them. And they beat me. <laughs> they just won. They just straight up won. And I was like, oh, fuck. I don't have anything. And they took my first city. And they walked to my capital. And I saved <laughs> scum. The dead turns. Before the war had started or whatever. Um, But anyway, so the thing that I was doing there was I was competing with people, right? Like, there's, like, an influence bar, and you can pay influence, you can pay money to increase kind of your per-turn, like,
0: progression. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And at the max, you can spend a, a certain amount of influence you know, to, to add the city to assimilate the city into your civilization. I spent a ton of influence on that. I could have just walked an army on top of it? What the fuck? This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean part of this too
0: is, like, I was doing that was, like, so there was one at the very top and there was one that, like, spawned in the middle while I wasn't looking. Like, I think this game does funky stuff with, like, Fog of War, right? Like, things will happen in the Fog of War if you're not looking at it. Um, and so, like, that one was, like, well, this is inconvenient and I went and I took it I was, like, okay, how do I deconvert this to an outpost, and it's like, you can't do that. You have to, like, you can only do that in, like, the medieval... Like, a, there's, like, a tech you can buy in the medieval era that, that'll do it. It's like, well, fuck, right? So I, I had, like, gotten full influence on the other one, um, which was Akkad. Um, I only
1: remember this because of uh, of, of Sargon. Um, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, actually, the the one that I was on my content was Sargon... Or, I'm sorry, was Akkad, oh. because... Um, uh, we traded we traded that city back and forth. I thought I thought that was the case. I was like, who the f- where, where did this name Akkad come from? I mean, it's, so, a, real, yes. it's a real
0: place, right? Like, what?
1: No, are you sure? I just mean like, what culture oh. had you know like because there was no maybe there were like Babel. I was like, maybe is were they the Babylonians? They're like, I don't, I don't know. Did I miss something? No, but, yeah
0: my game is spawned as an independent city state so
1: so I, I think that 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 is the case I think it was a cod the independent yeah. city state so I like I I you
0: know I did it that way and they already they had a bunch of units so I think if I had tried to walk in on them they might have like put up a fight like I, I mm-hmm. I'm convinced with this other city which is sus S-U-S, sus which, which made me laugh the entire game um because the city was pretty sus <laughs> but uh <laughs> I'm pretty convinced that I just like happened to hit it at the right time where it hadn't spawned any units yet, and so I was just able to, to, you know, prance on over it. Um, but uh, but with Akata, I was like, oh, okay, now I've got the influence there. I'll just buy it, and I went and I bought it, and it was immediately like minus 120 influence. I was like, I yeah. did, this was like before, like I had gotten like you know I was that was like negative. It was like, well, I can't do this anymore. So I uh, so I released it and it was independent again. Something interesting to learn there. Is that
1: basically got me all of their units, right? Like I oh, oh you bought well, them and I, then liberated them, but you keep their the units. units. Yeah. So, oh my god, that's that's interesting. Yeah, so that's a, that's
0: clever. Know, <laughs> I didn't, totally didn't do it on purpose, but you know, for the future, it's like, well, if if I need units, right, like go like like clobber a city state. Like you already have to have the influence going, right? Because you can't you can't do it instantly, which I think is smart, right? But yeah. like you know, I've got the influence going. You can just like buy it and release it and have like half an army. Uh, uh, ready to go, so that was... That oh, was yeah, it. see,
1: I, I pretty quickly walked into that 120 influence penalty, but I stayed there for a while. I was just like... I To me, uh, having a city was more valuable than that much influence per turn or whatever, because, like, I think that was maybe... A, it was 20% of my influence. I was making, like, 600 influence per turn, and I was like, 120 is, like, not that bad. I'm, I'm willing to pay a 20% oh, tax just uh, to have another fucking city churning out Jaguar Warriors.
0: <laughs> I feel like if I was if I was there, I would have been fine, but I was, like, at, like... Not nearly that. Like I was, I was uh, like I was at like eighty, and that would seem pretty high. Yeah.
1: Like, see, part of it is I don't quite understand how influence gets created in the first place. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I just get influence by having good cities. So I'll just make up that one. Tw- like that that one city sort of buys itself in a way, right? Like because it is contributing some amount of influence to the influence cap. And I was just like, I'm just gonna assume that it's good enough that it's not a big deal it also might have been some like you know like esoteric interaction that i wasn't keeping track of so for instance in my second game i specifically didn't go i wanted to try a different route obviously so i was like i'm not going to choose any of the guys that i chose the first time around um and i was like uh and so i chose the chinese because the chinese has it have a crazy good uh emblematic district called the confucian school where which, when you place it near mountains, gives you research, and it is just a bunch of stability. I was like, "Holy shit, this is huge!" Because the big thing in my first game was I kept running into all these fucking stability problems because I was building too quickly. See, I don't, right? I don't I know how, up-
0: but I never had stability problems. Like, really? Did you get all. to
1: commons? Uh, I think that might, that might be part of why I was, tr- I, I was like struggling. Because Com- commons is, like, the district that gives you stability for each additional, each adjacent district.
0: Yeah, I, yeah I, I rarely, I needed to build that, like, once. Most of the time, I was just fine.
1: Really? Were you, just, did you just, like, live at, like, 30% stability? How did you build all these? No, systems? I,
0: like, I never had a problem. Maybe it defaulted me to an easier difficulty than I thought, but, like, um, like, it was, like, it was, like, close to 100 most of the time. And every time I had a problem, I went and
1: I built a piece of infrastructure that, that boosted it. Um. Wow, this is crazy to me. You, every district is 10, 10 stability minus ten stability. Yeah, I mean,
0: I don't know. I like, wonder if
1: it's one of the civs that you like had. had some no, I'm, 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 look,
0: I'm looking at the Olmecs just to see what their. Uh... <laughs> yeah, no. Uh... Uh, do 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 uh, do. I uh, you know, cultural proximity is always maxed out. Uh, yeah, no, and plus one influence. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Oh, you know, uh, no, no, the district wasn't that, that great either. Uh, yeah. Uh, let me let me let me see if it's another one. you, you, you talk about something while I, while I look up. I think. Okay,
1: I, I'm very, I'm just very interested in this. I so I did eventually make it to the to the contemporary era, um, where I picked, funnily enough, the Soviets. <laughs> Which typically happens in these games because normally what happens with the Soviets is they give you a, um, uh, they give you just like a huge production boost, right? In in most Civ games, if there's any kind of Soviet, you know, if there's any kind of like the Soviet government or culture to choose, you just get insane bonuses to corruption and that's exa- or to uh, to production, and so that's what I did. But it was also it was also very warlike, and at this point, I was trying to defeat my to, to take over the entire continent i wanted to kill off the two other civilizations and they have this insanely good emblematic district which is called the arms factory that like it, it is a ton of production and it creates a unique strategic resource on the map called weapons and harvests those weapons to reduce your stability by 20 in every city you have, but also make every combat unit you pump out, like, plus three combat combat strength. So I was, like, shitting out these, like, not only was I shitting out high-level, right, like, arquebusiers or whatever, right, like, whatever the strong unit was at the time, I was doing it with plus a bunch of extra uh, combat strength. Uh, especially because at this point I had finally figured out attachments, and you can build two attachments in you can build two arms things in one city and you get plus six and i was just like this is destruct. this is insanely broken um and so that was where i ended my game did you end the game on one of the contemporary civilizations
0: uh so i had i had evolved the siamese um i think i might have frozen the stream because i was i was trying to check on my game while we were talking but uh hopefully i fixed it now i abandoned that course of action um but, yeah, no, I, I ended on the on the Siamese uh, Evolved Once because um, I think they were the floating market people, um, and I like the floating yeah, market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Um, I went, like, I went Astete to Astete, then to Builder to Builder because I went... I think I maybe I only did one Builder because I did... I did Olmex to Olmex and then Franks to Franks and then Siamese to Siamese. I think that's it. Maybe I... that's
1: would have been six. You would have chosen another one in there. There's seven, right?
0: Uh, yeah, maybe. I feel like I picked another builder in the middle somewhere but i can't hold on
1: wait maybe it is six let me think i did i did egyptians to persians to aztecs to poles to germans to soviets that's six yeah is there like is there like a
0: future um a future level that just like didn't like that that, like we managed not to see because we were we butted through the game too much
1: I definitely, I mean, I definitely didn't get into any of the, like, there was, like, air units stuff in there, and I, like, completely skipped over anything like that. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. I remember I went, was it six? I went Polish because the Poles, wait, okay, so sorry. There's the Neolithic era, the ancient era, the classical era, the medieval era, the early modern age, the industrial age, the contemporary age. That's seven, but, oh, Neolithic, so you choose
0: six. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, that makes sense, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: All right, because the last one is Americans, Australians, Brazilians, Chinese, Egyptians, Indians, Japanese, Soviets, Swedes, and Turks.
1: Yeah, interestingly, all of those, I didn't find in any of those, I don't think there's a militant one. Because at that point, I was like, well, I'm just going to go militant. So, part of my game was I was really behind on stars, almost the entire game, Mm. because there was another... There was another culture on another continent that was doing shit. And I was so behind in science that I couldn't sail anything over there because I just didn't have, you know, the open waters, caravels or whatever. Um, And I kept getting these notifications that they were increasing their fame. Um, Because there's a bunch of stuff that you compete for, right? Like natural wonders. Like if you're the first person to discover a natural wonder, you get a bunch of fame for that or whatever. And I just don't think there... I think there were zero natural wonders on my continent. I think all of the natural wonders spawned on their continent. And they got to every single one first. And I was just, like, so far behind. And the only way that I won the game is I blitzed all of the wonders, like, back to back to back in the space of 30 turns. Because I would claim a wonder... I would set all, this this is the other nice thing, is that you have the shared project, so I can set all of my cities onto the wonder, and I completed it in like five turns, and then I just did that with another one, and I far. and each one of those wonders is like 100 or 150 stars or something, you know, it's a certain amount of stars, and I just farmed the stars that way, and that got me ahead. Oh, the fame, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I farmed the fame that way, and that got me ahead. There's also Uh, a
0: wonder that like increases production on shared projects.
1: Yep, I got that one. I in the early game I didn't have good wonders. I think I built Stonehenge, but I was literally the last person to choose a wonder. I think, okay. and I think that was because I was at. I think I had three cities when my my city cap was two at that point. Oh, I see, um, which is part sense. of the problem because I was like that. Like that was like an early game influence drain, and then, um, but then by the mid game I was picking up wonders pretty normally. Um, I just didn't really love any of these wonders, to be honest like there was generally like one really good wonder that I was like oh this one's this one's amazing, this is the one I want um and then a couple of ones that I was like, Eh, whatever, right uh, like I think I did Notre Dame just because I was like, why not? I yeah. guess you yeah, like might as well i I didn't do anything with religion. did you do anything re- with religion
0: so i like I pumped up my religion, but I very quickly like secularized, so like it didn't matter um like um like I hit the decision point was like. Uh, you know, how do you want to secularize? Uh, like, it's not even like, you know, you get a choice, right? It's like...
1: You get state atheism or you get, yeah, yeah secular.
0: Yeah, secularism, right? Um, it looks like I had two, uh, two locked civics options. I su- suspect if you're like very high on tradition, you'll get more religion options than, um, because uh, like, it was pretty opaque how like your, your civics bars, uh, like, uh, affected your, um, affected how the game Oh that's worked.
1: interesting. You only had do you mean of the whole civics tree you only had two that were locked? So so on on the specifically on the religion tree. I had more that were
0: locked in other places, but on the religion tree, right? Okay. I had like three religion pips that became obsolete when I secularized, but there were two that were locked. And I assume that those are like if you don't secularize and if you go to religion, which might be if you had high tradition on those bars. That's my guess. I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah,
1: okay. I I've paid very little attention to those, and I unlocked very few of them. I felt like, um, it's, I mean, maybe I unlocked a normal amount, I, I, yeah. I, or whatever. It's just like I, most of those trees were gray, and I didn't yeah, yeah. visit them. Right. No, I I, um, I
0: agree. I only picked them up when they showed up, but I also like, I don't, I I I like, I made more of my choices based on like kind of like a personal ideological choices for that first game than I did on based on any sort of strat- strategy.
1: Oh, I, I all of my choices were based on immediate. Anytime I saw a thing, I saw the little icon who was like, this will move you one step that way or one step this way. I couldn't care less about that, right? I just wanted the effect, right? So if the effect was plus 10 gold per turn, I took the gold, baby. Like, you know, like I didn't give a shit about any of the... Direct- so I didn't even know where I ended up on, on all of that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I vaguely knew that there were some that I wanted. There was one that increases your industry by 10%. And I was like, oh, I want that one. And that was it.
0: Yeah. No, I... Like, the individual civics, um, I, like, didn't visit, again, once I picked one, but, like, the decisions, I, like, because the decisions were much shorter term, right? Like, I would occasionally make, like, a a concession to to gameplay because it'd be like, this will do bad things if you are, like, if you do, like, the bad thing, right? I was like, "Mm, Oh, yeah,
1: see, I never took any of those either. (laughs)
0: Um, Or, you know, it's like, it's, you know, like, the the consequences, like, potentially could, could spawn another problem, right? Like, um, but like most of those kind of like moved in a direction that I didn't like anyway. It was like, I don't know, like the, the game seems to like have a particular point of view, which is kind of like you know vaguely like European like sensibilities, right? Like, um, yeah, it,
1: it, it seems uh, I remember thinking about this when Civ 6 came out because Civ 6 when, when did Civ 6 come out? It came out like Not that recently, but in the 2010s, right? Um, Because I just feel... Yeah, it came out in 2016. This is why I was thinking about it. It came out in 2016, a month before the 2016 election. And I remember at the time playing it, and I was like, how the fuck have we dodged, like, the political undertones of Civ for, like... Like our whole career, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how have there not been like a bunch of think pieces, you know, honestly, maybe there have been a bunch of think pieces about how like, oh, it's racist that Civ says
0: Gandhi likes news.
1: Yeah. You know, whatever. Right. Like yeah. I first, for a game so explicitly about politics yeah, Um, to essentially not be about politics well, to have this kind of just like, yay, we like, well, so, so Civ, Civ
0: in particular is pretty anodyne about it. Right. Like it's like, it's like if you go this way, you get more production, and if you go this way, you get more wealth. So both are equally valid, right? Like that, that's yeah, kind yeah, of like, that's
1: true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it
0: really does not take sides. That's fair. And, and it kind of like tries to avoid. Like it's not like it's not like you know, you know, fascist Germany is like an option in most Civ games, right? Like it's always no.
1: Wait, it is fascism. Is a little the the end game ideology trees, right? You have it is democracy. I don't want to say democracy, communism, fascism. It might be democracy, socialism, fascism, and fascism is where you go if you want to do military stuff. Democracy is where you go if you want to make money, and uh, and communism is where you go if you want to like do insane production. I'm pretty sure they. This is a thing. Hold on. I, right, I, I
0: right. haven't played a ton of Sim Six, so maybe I'm forgetting. Right, because like, like that—that's like it wasn't that way in like the earlier games. Right, there just wasn't that kind of like diversity of. Right, like because like you know the games like the early games or you know the early ages had slavery, but you kind of aged out of them pretty quickly, right? And same thing in this game, right? Like, slavery at some. Um, point, this
1: might have been a Civ Six thing.
0: Yeah, um, but to to that point in particular, right? Like the, the point I'm making about like it's like the global warming event comes up and the options are like you know study, which is like the like the the vaguely like um you know the vaguely democratic option or like restrict, which is like the communal option. Or, like, ignore it. And it says in letters, like, might lead to negative consequences later and, like, moves you towards tradition. It's like, okay, right? Like, which one are you okay, picking?
1: Okay, uh, so just just taking a look at this. Uh, so it is a sip 5 thing that okay. I'm thinking of. And it is named Freedom, Order, and Autocracy, where okay. freedom is America, order is... Communism mm. and autocracy is fascism. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it was like an end game tree to sink all your culture. Right. Into I mean, or auto- autocracy
0: doesn't necessarily imply fascism, but like you know, that's like yeah, it's th- like yeah. But the order
1: tree is pretty funny. The order tree is hero of the people, socialist realism. Right. Like you know. <laughs> Five year plan, yeah, yeah. Iron Curtain, right? <laughs> like you know, one side is uh, <sighs> yeah. I mean,
0: I mean, I think part of what it hides behind too is like, a lot of this has like '90s era sensibility in terms of like what the oh yeah, like are. history is over, yeah, the end of history,
1: yeah, right, right. But like, yeah, you know, like the iron, iron Curtain is not
0: like you know, like people, you know, you know, you know, Xi, Xi Jinping steers the the ship of state, right? Like it's like it's like oh, Iron. Cur- Russia, you the know, Soviet Union fell, right? Like we don't have to worry about that because that's like last year's politics, you know, last era's politics, yeah.
1: right? Yeah, um, yeah. The autocracy tree has such non-political options as lightning warfare and police state. Okay, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
1: oh I, god. But like,
0: I don't know. I, I feel like the like there's kind of like an like even like like we're talking about with this one. There's like an implied point of view where it's like you know you're choosing like it's like it's like how like. Um, Hearts of Iron 3, um, the tutorial has you, like, kind of, like, winks and not, nudges you as, like, you're playing as Hitler, but they don't ever, ever outright say it, right? Like, um, and it's kind of, like, let it let it ride and, and don't care about it too much, um, which is maybe yeah, how we avoid I do, this problem.
1: I do think that humankind sort of runs into a strategy game problem that I have, which is... Um, how much fun it is to play off spec in a way like off off that's spec is the wrong word but just like kind of uh like how much fun is it to walk away from what you would normally play and play something else so i think stellaris and total war are amazing at this and other games are not right europa universalis as much as i love that game i was rarely interested in playing a like a different civ you know nation or whatever than one of, like, the core fun nations that already sort of, like, fit my playstyle, right? You know, Spain was my favorite because Spain does colonization, but I did a Spain run, I did a Burgundy run, I did a France run, I did an England run, you know, and then I played the Ottomans who don't do any kind of colonization, and I fucking hated it. I was like, this sucks. This is no fun at all. And then I played the Chinese, and I was like, oh, this is actually kind of fun. No, I fucking hate this. This fucking sucks, right? Like, you know, it, it was just like, at a certain point, you know, in Stellaris, I've done runs in Stellaris that are insanely peaceful, you know, scientific, whatever. And I've also done, like, warmongering. And I've even done, like, different versions. Like, I, you will sometimes go, like, the technological warfare run where, like, you're building incredibly, like, powerful and scientifically you know, incredible fleets or whatever, right? And then sometimes I would go these, like, really kind of barbaric runs where I really wasn't doing much in terms of science, but I was, like, constantly at war with everybody, and I was using raiding, like, the raiding stance to, like, steal pops all over the place and I was selling them for a bunch of money and stuff like that, right? Like, and even that kind of gives me these contours, you know, it gives these contours to the strategy of my play, right? In the same way that the Beastmen... Are a horde army in you know in Total War Warhammer 2, right? That are encouraging me to like sack and raid and pillage, right? They're this like evil army that are that are encouraging me to do this. And the Dark Elves are also sort of an evil army that are encouraging me to sack and raid and pillage. But like the contours are so much different because for the Beastmen it's my entire economy. For the Dark Elves it is the fundamental pillar of creating my own economy, because as the Dark Elves you are taking slaves, so like, you're you're not sacking guys in order to get a big boost of 600,000, you know, you don't, you don't get 60,000 gold from destroying Altdorf. That's what happens if you're the Beastman, right? You sack Altdorf, you get a bunch of money, this fuels you for a couple of turns until you can sack another place, right? With the Dark Elves, you sack a place. You don't really get that much money out of it. But you do ship slaves back to your house. And now your per-turn gold is going way up. And so they're both sort of encouraging the same kind of gameplay, but with different sort of, like, goals or whatever. And I'm very well-tuned to those in Stellaris and in Total War. And I just feel like humankind lacks that. I feel like if I had not gone this, like, builder militarism route, I would have just fucking hated it the whole time. Um, Which is... Maybe why I did kind of crapped out instead of one more turning myself into oblivion on this, like, China run, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was just like I immediately lost that war and that fucking sucked and was hilarious, right? But I just save scummed and built more units beforehand and then won the war this time, right? And, um, and even then, like, I don't know. There's just something about playing, just like something about playing a, a, a sieve that takes forever to build a district that makes my makes me sad yeah no I'm it's interesting because like
0: I, I feel I feel like the the issue with I don't know if it's an issue particularly human kind but with the, the way that the game like the like you always want production but like maybe you don't always want to maximize production if that's if that's different I think if you tr- like like ideally you're doing a little bit of everything but like it's 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 hard like you will always be building workshop quarters regardless of who you're playing and we talked yeah. about like like that's like i guess like works a little bit more fundamental in food like you don't you don't need to play agrarian to want to build food right like um and i think maybe that that's that's what the issue is It's like it, it feels like if you're building if you're playing uh builder that like any anything else just like not gonna feel right but i like you know even when I wasn't playing Builder, I still had pretty high production These I wonder I wonder what the, the thing is there. Because, like, to, to, similar to your point, I, I get what you're saying, and I haven't done it as much with Stellaris, but, like, with Crusader Kings, you know, sometimes you're just kind of at the mercy of who your who your heir is, right? Like, sometimes you get one that's yeah. like, you know, well, he happened to be militaristic, and so I have to abandon my steward style, like, which is what I, I um, typically prefer to play, and you can go in and, have fun and, and have fun with that in terms of, like, the adaptability thing that you were talking about. Um, uh, and I, I change styles partway through my game, which I think is a, a really neat thing, right? Like, you know, in, is that uh, you can abandon whatever particular mode you're playing for and switch it up midway through the game, which I think, which I think is fun and neat. Um, but, uh, I don't like, I, I feel like part of it is maybe that just like, once you're in the game, you really have to be making those choices strategically rather than like style wise, if that makes sense. Right. Like,
1: yeah. Right. I think something that would have um, that would have been interesting to do would have been a world where I wasn't incentivized to like constantly flood myself with these maker because like the maker districts have that adjacency bonus. Right. And as soon as I, I realized this, I do. was like, Yeah, yeah, all of them, all of them do. And it kind of and and that's part of what like building that research core did for me, right? Like, is I blocked off seven whole tiles where I just said, All I'm doing is I'm making. A bunch of research cores, and it's going to. And this whole city is research core and food, basically, right? Um, but I sort of wonder what a version of this game would have looked like if instead of getting cro- instead of getting similar bonuses, you got cross bonuses. So like a maker's quarter next to a farmer's quarter would get an extra food and would get an extra, like, gear or whatever, so that I was more incentivized to diversify. Because I think in a certain sense, I almost, like, over-optimized myself, right? Like, I basically solved every problem in the game with raw production, right? Um, even if I was scientifically behind, even if I was whatever behind, I was, I was just able to... I had 12 cities pumping out 800 gears it was gonna be fine no matter what right there was just like no way that i could sort of like lose from that position and i felt in past civilization games that you can kind of like um i don't know it's just more it's more generalized right because of the way that the, you 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 can't specialize as much or as yeah. hard in in the individual like cities because like you know in those games it's almost always about like the improvements right like you build a farm on the grassland you build a mine on the hills, whatever, right? Um, and I just sort of wonder if having that much control over what, like, the different districts look like, um, kind of changes the, just like changes like the makeup of the of the map. I also think something in Civilization has happened to me. I in Civilization, I almost always went for, like, these builder kind of civs. I think my favorite in Civ Five was the Egyptians, for instance. Maybe in Civ Six too. Uh, the, the Egyptians tend to be my favorite, I guess, in terms of just, like, raw building shit. Um, like, building cool shit. The, the, the culture, right? Um, but something that I did in Civ 5 a couple of times was play off meta and, like, I played a Venice run. And Venice was very unique in Civ yeah, Five. Yeah. But the cool thing about Venice was you basically substituted gold for production. You didn't really need production because you were just making so much fucking money all the time that you were just like buying raw units constantly um, and stuff like that. So yeah, I don't
0: know. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's something I, I'll definitely dip back into and see maybe uh, maybe add a fluke run or something. But um, yeah.
1: Are you, you, do you have any kind of interest in playing a second run after you were done?
0: I do. I just didn't know if it was, like, you know, there were other things I wanted to do, like, this weekend. Um,
1: oh, okay, fair enough, yeah. Um, I was wondering what a multiplayer would run. No, that, that's with, the, the other thing I was going to say. It's,
0: like, I'd be super interested. In, like, I always have trouble with these games single player after, like, a couple of runs. It's just, like, it doesn't feel as compelling because, like, the AI just never feels like it stacks up to a person, Yep. Um, especially if you played with Danny, uh, who. who, <laughs> who
1: <laughs> I mean, even when we played some of these other games, right? Like the Civ 5 game with you and Charles, where you guys were trying to convert me to your religion. Yeah, like that was just. I mean, that that wasn't a game of optimization, but it was a game that was a lot of fun just from like the raw politics. Oh yeah, of it. yeah. I I, th- I think our group our group Civ Civ. Uh, Stellaris and Crusader Kings games have been a lot of fun, generally yeah. speaking. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, maybe, maybe the maybe. one
1: I've always wanted to do, though, is Hearts of Iron. I would love to do a Hearts of Iron run.
0: Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I just, like, never got into Hearts of Iron. Um, I don't know. I love to play this game I, multiplayer I, just because, like, it's also, like, much more divisible, I think. Um, although I wonder how they do multiplayer in yeah. this. Do they do simulturns? Um, I
1: I imagine they have to do simultaneous, right? Yeah. Which would make Wars really interesting and, like, complicated, and I would hate it if I was not in the war. It would immediately just, like, throw the whole game into a dead halt because, like, Wars obviously take so much more time and energy, um, which is part of my frustration with these games in general is that it very rarely is as fun to play a peaceful civilization as to play a, a civilization at war. Um, just because your turns are longer, there's like more stuff going on. There's a lot of, there's a lot at stake. Right. Um, and I sort of wonder what the, I don't know. The Stellaris solution to that is just let you expand a lot. If you want to expand and micromanage 40 fucking colonies, feel free. That's what Stellaris tells you. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Stellaris is
0: also real time, right? Like, you know, you don't have to wait for anything. Um,
1: Anyway, I've been looking like I You know, and Civ also does this with the archaeologists, right? Like like religion and archaeologists gives you these kind of non combat units that you're running around doing shit on the map. Yeah, with. yeah. I mean there's
0: there's a fair amount of exploration in this game for a while, right? Like and you could do like the standard kind of Civ level of optimization, right? It's like, you know, dick around with your units to make sure everything's like placed but like your cities make sure everything's properly uh you know so before before we jump out of here i do want to say that we never we didn't talk about the thing that i thought was the coolest about this which is like you can build tall but without building new cities right like the 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 like we talked we, we talked about the oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah so
1: yeah so the way that this works is you can found an outpost in a territory mm. right and then you can attach that territory to a city of yours and part of this is your own
0: like only one City or outpost is allowed per territory, which is like a game wide thing, right? It's not like in Civ yeah. where you can, like, maybe, like, crunch some cities close to each other to, like, uh, to, to, to build things up in a different way, but, um, which I think is, like, a, a really cool, make- like, that was, like, one of my Honestly, favorite Honestly, I about love it. that. Yeah. It is
1: one of the fundamental things, but I love it. Cause one of the things I do in Civ is, um, is I get really anal about, like, where my, you know, like, taking tiles, right? Because instead of you're buying tiles a lot of the time, right? right? Um, and this, it just says, no, the the map is divisible into these chunks. You make a, you can make a claim to that chunk, and then you can, like, really make it your territory by attaching it to a city. It is inside of your your yeah. city limits. I have no idea what this looks like because, as I said, I did not understand this mechanic until I had built, like, six cities. So, I had six one-territory cities kind of going up this peninsula and then I was like, oh, shit! <laughs> I, uh, I, what ended up happening is I took over another city that had an attachment to it and I was like, oh, I'm such a fucking idiot. I could have been, like, whatever. I feel like the default way to play is to, to try and attach a territory to every one of your cities. Does that? How does that sound to you?
0: Yeah, that's, like... There's some, like, um, uh, yeah I I think you you probably don't want a lot of single cities, but there's, like, also a lot of, like, um, like later game, I I did some, like, shenanigans where I, like, detached and reattached um, uh, districts in different ways to, like, spread out uh, them a little bit just because, like, the way everything got cornered, right? Because, like, like I said, you can't devolve cities until, like, the medieval era, at least, and that was always expensive, so, like, you know, because there was an independent city that was, like, right next to one of my normal cities, I, like you know re- reconfigured some stuff halfway through the game like there were a couple of like um like co- like art antarctic um territories that i taken that was like didn't make sense to like build into real cities so i like attached them to one of my earlier cities and then took away some of its its uh places and gave it to a different city so you know just rebalancing some stuff but
1: yeah yeah but one thing i did is i is i Detached and reattached to a new city once. Mm. Um, I took. A, I, I remember I took a city in one of the wars and I had built up the territory, the attached territory, into kind of this bread basket. And I was like, oh, this is neat. I can unattach it from the city it's on, attach it to my new city and give it this kind of like jumpstart. Right. Yeah. Because like all of these districts are already built in there, which, you know, I was like mildly effective. To be honest it was pretty bad uh i was i had huge stability problems because like when you do that you attaching cost stability and districts cost stability so that was just a pain um but you know i don't know i feel i like at, in the moment i thought i was being clever
0: <laughs> yeah no i mean it's uh it's interesting like uh it's it's uh it's a neat set of systems um
1: it is definitely a neat set of systems. We should try and play multiplayer. I, I think, and then report, and then report back. But otherwise, I guess that's that Do you? Do you, What's your, like your final thoughts on Humankind? I think I think it's a very
0: cool evolution of, of like this like the the kind of the very core. I'm going to call it the civilization style subgenre of of x games. Okay. Um, yeah,
1: I think so too. I think it may have. I don't want to say rekindled my love because the second playthrough hasn't been as fun as the first one was. But that first one was electric. You yeah. know, I was. Alive for the first time in my life, <laughs> not not really. <laughs> but the first time, you know, like playing, you know, there there are sometimes I'll play one of these kinds of games, and I and I play a lot of games, obviously. Like I play a lot of prototypes for work and everything like that, where it is a slog, and it's like I'm playing an hour of this, and I just want to shoot my my brains out, right? Um, and uh, and I was afraid that it was going to fall into that category because of how sort of turned off I have been towards Civ games. Since kind of becoming a more avid paradox player and becoming more avid like total war player, etc. So I don't know. You know, I'm 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 definitely interested to see what a multiplayer version of this would look like. I agree. I agree. All right. So how was your week? (sighs) How was my week? Man, I did a million things this week. I played some more Grime. I beat the Vulture and Grime. I spent 30 minutes. Did you do the grieving rock giant? Did you ever do that fight?
0: No. So, so for people at home, I beat Grime this week. So, that's 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 my part of this. Um, but I didn't okay. attack anything that didn't attack me because I saw there were multiple endings and I assumed that this was some weird sort of like Dark Souls thing where you have to do like something inscrutable. <laughs> um, turns out, no, like to get to both endings, you just have to <laughs>
1: play it twice. Like, like... There is. <laughs> <laughs> So did you just not have any like extra breath? Uh, I had. You must have had one bar, right? I had two. two I had. I didn't have
0: the th- the third one, and I had like two thirds of the second one, right? Because like, you get the okay, yeah. yeah. So I had one full extra one and two thirds of a second extra one.
1: Because I'm pretty sure there are three or four rock giants that are just hanging out. Yeah. Um, that'll give their miniboss they will give you breath yeah anyway so I fought this one rock giant which absolutely devastated me over and over again I just like I spent 30 minutes and I kept dying to this and it was super funny I was streaming at the time this was actually for Buddy Gets yeah, me. yeah I, I saw um, the
0: clip on the Twitter
1: uh, oh yeah yeah. The- <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, and so I kept dying to this rock giant, and I was like, "Holy shit! How the fuck am I gonna beat the vulture?" And then I both beat the vulture on my second try. I was like, "This is free compared to the rock giant." The rock giant did this thing that was really that was really devious, which was um, the the he does a leap where he jumps at you, right? And if you don't dodge, you just die. You can't parry. You just fucking kills you, right? Um, and. There was one version of the leap that was very telegraphed, right? And there was another version of le- of the leap where he does a stomp and then immediately jumps right after, right? And if you've ever fought any of the rock giants, they have a couple of different stomp attacks, right? One of them, it, do- it shoots a line that you have to jump over. Another one, it just makes the whole ground you know bump so you have to jump over it and this boss is like precision targeted to prey on you if you have figured out these rock giant fights because what happens is you see the stomp coming you go oh i need to jump you stomp. you jump into the air and then he leaps right on top of you and you fucking die. And I'm pretty sure I was supposed to fight this guy after I had defeated the vulture and gotten the air dash. Because if I had the air dash, it would have been fine. He would have left, I would have air dashed, I would have had my iframes, it would have not been a big deal, right? But I just kept falling into this trap over and over and over again. And I couldn't, for the life of me, differentiate the stomps, really. Um, and so I eventually just kind of like got to this point where I was trying really hard to not to, to take essentially the ground damage because the ground damage you can absorb a little bit of it right I was trying really hard to take the ground damage and be dodging so that I just never got left on and eventually I got it and then we did the vulture fight which is a very fun fight I actually like that fight quite a lot mm. um and um, and I I beat that one pretty almost I don't want to say effortlessly but um, I beat that in like in like two tries. My build at the time, I think, was the Yerglave and the obelisk fist. Everybody says the yurglave is really good. It's frequently, it's like overpowered. People think. Um, but my thing with fighting both the rock giant and the vulture is that the obelisk fist aerial did a lot more damage than the Yerglave aerial. So I was doing a lot of like jump punch with the obelisk fist you know drop down kind of thing um and then anytime i was fighting on the ground i was using the um the york so that was my that was my grind progress over the course of the week what what about you
0: yeah so like i said I, i i beat the game um i finished it basically with the unfinished slab um just because like i tried for a second to like do like you know there's like the um, the resolve lantern, and then you get the this drill, which is a resolve strength up. I was like, oh, this is neat. It's like it'll double your burst stacks. So I'm like, this is really cool. I'm gonna give it a shot. And I like stacked some things on it, and then I went to use the, use the drill, and like I tried for like half an hour to get it to work, and it would just like get like beat the shit out of me every time I tried to do the special move. So, and, like it, this, I, I never got it to I never got it to actually like go off. And this was against like slow moving enemies too. So did you ever find the jaw axe? Uh, yes which i realized right before i did the final boss fight was like slightly better statted um, okay. I, 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 yeah
1: that was something we we also spent time on in the stream doing was getting the getting the draw axe because i told the stream that i was dedicated to my strength build and they're like okay fine but please put away these fucking obelisk fists
0: <laughs> yeah no so like the like the the draw axe i believe is b c for strength uh, resolve and uh, the unfinished slab is B-E-E, um, and so, like, this, the draw the axe was, like, slightly better, but I, like, I realized it's, like, literally right before the final boss, so I'm like, you know what, screw this, I'm gonna, like, use my th- my, my old old fi- old reliable uh, for this Yeah, fight. I
1: still no. haven't found, you You told me a little bit of where it was, but I still wasn't able to find it on stream the other day, I don't really look that hard, yeah. but I went back exploring, because it's in Lithic, you said, right? I think so, right, because it's, it's yeah, made of, back- like,
0: unfinished rock Rockmen. Right. Okay,
1: yeah, I went back looking for it, and I just could not fucking, I could not figure out where it was because I was excited. I was excited to see the, uh, you know, yeah. the special mango, the mango special, right? Um, um, I mean, but I, yeah. So, what what are your ending thoughts on on Grime? Do you have any complex thoughts? So I think I think it's really neat. It's a little rougher on the edges, right? Like you know, it's it's like one dude who made this, right? Right, like the, yeah. So it's it's a team of four. One guy who did most of it, Yarden. Then there's Jonathan, who is the uh, technical artist, like he did all like the lighting and stuff like that. Then there is Alex and Sean, who do audio. So there's five. And then there's Theodore, who does programming.
0: Okay, yeah, and you know, I like, I appreciated what it was going for, um, and I had a lot of fun with it. Right, like I, I beat it all the way. But like part of what it made me feel is like, man, I'd really like to go back and play Hollow Knight again. <laughs> um and i I, I think part of that is just like this game wants to be a little bit more like dark souls than hollow knight does and i appreciate like i I like like for the for the metroidvania part of it i like the lots of movement and it's a little stiff in grime i think on purpose right like it's trying to be a little bit more stiff um on purpose which is fine it's just not not as much to my preference as hollow knight was but it, it was very ambitious very fun um not sure I quite understand what like the deeper stories or themes were supposed to be, because um, like part of the reason I didn't fight the rock giants is because like I felt pretty bad for them, right? And they're mm-hmm. like, it's like why would I beat them up? They're nice guys, right? Like, and there was a couple of times where like you know I got like text options. It's like, uh, you know like like um, on the servants path. I don't know if you've gotten there yet, but like um, what like you're you're next to one of the the, the save rocks, and like the guys like how did you do that? Show me how to do it. And the options are, like,
1: ignore him or show him. I hit show him, and you just, like, you punch him in the face and he dies. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> I, what I what I do know is that they're big d d players. Um, okay. And that, uh, and I feel like that kind of underwrites the story a little bit, right? Like, at the end of the day, I don't think that, like, the story of Grime is, like, you know, it's not like Disco Elysium, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's not incredibly complex. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward, but, you know. I feel like it is what it is. I I like the I like kind of like the world building and like lore of it oh, more yeah. than anything else. Right, and that, like that
0: is very Souls like, right? Like kind of like hinted yeah. at. Um.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that one hundred percent.
0: Um. Obviously, the like the big thing at the end is like quite a bit of a twist that I'm not so sure. Like like it feels like a large thing just kind of like dump on you. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with it. Uh,
1: I am familiar with the ending, so okay, No I will... spoilers, I guess, for the chat. Yeah. But you know, yeah, it... I I do know what you're referencing. Yeah. Um, I was kind of like, oh,
0: okay, that's a lot to take in in like the last five seconds of this game.
1: <laughs> but you know,
0: it was it, it was neat. Um, and there was some there were some hints to it, right? Like, I, I remember um when you are at the world pillar and you finally unlock that elevator in the world pillar. I'm like, huh, that looks like a thing that like implies something about what this world is. I'm I'm trying to very hard to dodge around like anything that's like super obvious right um
1: yeah i mean i know that we have chat in in chat uh i i i want you all to play grime and enjoy it but i don't i definitely don't want you to spoil it It, no no spoilers was a big thing for us when we were when we were talking about the game and like marketing and everything like that we didn't want to get anything spoiled so much so that the patch notes are have spoiler tags on them which i appreciate
0: i i definitely appreciate um yeah uh um, it just seems like that, like some of that stuff, um, doesn't tie in super well with like some of like the, what I'm gonna call like the civilizational level stuff that happens with like the the rock people I think as as you go on. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's 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 a cool setting with a lot of cool stuff and a lot of cool designs, um, and it was it was fun. Um, it was uh, it was. We'll, we'll probably have to talk about this off, off cast but like there there is some interest. Like it, it, it it's a cool game, a little bit a little bit disparate. Like I like you know I, I hate to draw this comparison again, but Hollow Knight, Hollow Knight I think was a little bit more coherent. Um, mm. uh, but like it like it also tried to do like uh, it 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 wasn't very hard on its lore in a particular way that this game goes a little bit. But there's also some things that I still don't, I still didn't get about like just like um, mechanic wise for this game right like. There are these items that are inside of, like, little, um, like, they're, like, dash through points, but, like, they don't yeah, have did a...
1: Yeah, you, did you fight the Misbegotten Amalgam? Do you know what that... I know what that, that, that is, and I haven't fought it. Um, okay. It is the... I, I it gives hate you a power. for you. Yeah. It gives you a power. This, it, it, that is an optional boss, and it is yeah. because of that reason, right? Like, yeah. you will never block your progression, but you can suck the items out of those
0: uh, Okay. Spots. Okay, yeah, yeah, That makes sense. I, I never figured out how to get there. And I don't like, there, there was some weird things I suspect are like inter patch issues, right? Like there's like a, like after the first patch where he added a new nerve ending, Mm -hmm. like I went to go back to the nerve ending that I went through and it dumped me out in the bottom of features layer near a shop. And I couldn't figure out how to get back to that shop. So, but I also didn't look particularly, (laughs) um, I didn't look particularly hard um, because I feel that yeah, like, because like, because the game doesn't let you move super super quick, like it feels a little bit like a chore to like go explore things. Like he, in one of the patches, he said there's like a weapon that I put back that like accidentally never got put back in to the feast. So I was like, I don't care enough to go back for it,
1: right? Um, yeah, fast travel is a big issue that we've been talking about, especially because like on one end you want it's it's complicated, right? Because yeah. like oh, yeah. part of the fun is moving from place to place. So, for instance, something that I remember talking about when Skyrim was around was how... I think the best way to play Skyrim is to, is to fast travel to cities. Like, you only... you have to walk a certain amount of it, right? There are too many sort of fast-travelable points in, in Skyrim, and it removes a lot of the fun out of the game if you just, like, fast travel the dungeon, clear dungeon, exit dungeon, fast travel to your house, or whatever, right? Like. Um, and, uh, I feel like that ethos sort of is a little bit there in grime, but it's, like, on the other end of the spectrum, right? Where there are sort of, you know, you only unlock fast travel at the end of the game, and there's, you know, not a ton of points to, you know, to, to do it or whatever. Um, yeah. so, I do know that it's something that we've been talking about. I don't know what changes are in mind, but there probably are going to be some changes coming up.
0: Sure, and, like, I, th- I think the the nerve roots are super thematic, um, mm-hmm. that, are, that are cool, but, like... I don't think there are so many of those kind of like, you know, by analogy call the bonfires, right? Like that you couldn't do the bonfire warp without it destroying the game. Yeah, Um, sure. um, But, you know, that's just my two cents, Um, especially because like there's not, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of reason to, this is something that did get, get to me a little bit. There are like things you can't access, access rather, until you go back to like, like, you know, there's like standard Metroidvania stuff. But it yeah. felt like a lot of the little, like the little things, were not worth going back for, right? The one that's most clear in my mind is there's like a thing that you can get in the, uh, I don't want to spoil anything in the area right before the penultimate boss, okay. right? Um, the thing I was talking to you about, uh um, like there's the thing that's like, as soon as you you finish it, you get a power of like oh I once I can go back there I can go grab that right, because, like, it's very obviously out of reach, and then, like, the power you get lets you go back to it, and so I went back to it, and it was, like, uh, like, you know, a shard of breath or whatever, like, the thing that, like, fills the bar, I was like, this was not worth me, like, caring about going back to, and I think that's just, like, a hard hard thing to, to balance. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's definitely, there's a bunch of weapons that are, that are sort of, like, locked like that, yeah, yeah. like, you can't get the jaw axe until you defeat the vulture, I'm pretty sure, um... Right, but yes. um, I definitely, I definitely feel that. I think that it is a complicated, uh, cause like you know, I think, I think kind of the bod- the bedrock of a lot of games is do content get rewards, right? right? and when the game is functioning cor- uh, like i talk about this in, in wow terms but it applies to grime right when the game is functioning correctly right doing the content is fun and getting the rewards is also fun right it is fun to kill to to fight a boss and kill it and it is fun to pick up a good item out of the boss right but it's pretty easy for those two to sort of, like, be out of whack. And you can get in these positions where, like, the the rewards just don't feel worth it, right? Or the content feels like a chore, right? I think a lot of people complaining about Torghast in 9.0 were complaining about that content was unfun, but the reward, my legendary dust, was important. So the reward felt good, but the content to get there didn't, right? And I think Grime is sort of in a similar situation where it's like, you know, I want to be rewarded for um, thinking to go back and to find these things or whatever. But those consumables are not—that's not really a reward yeah. I care about. I care about weapons. I care about armor, maybe, right? Um, I, I think, but I don't is, care about five nails or whatever. Right. I, I
0: think this is maybe a, a genre clash, right? Because like the the thing that enables that, like that level of going back exploring, is the Metroidvania part. Whereas yeah. like the Souls like part is is like kind of like speaks to like the not a lot of stuff to get right there like in say in dark souls there are a couple of things to get in different places but like you know i mean part of it is like you can in dark souls you can give a souls item and that's worth something right like especially because everything's at risk and it's not at risk in this game um yeah um and so and like the consumables are kind of like eh um especially because you can't this is this this is a very dark souls enabled thing you can't rely on consumables because you might if you lose enough times you won't have any more consumables right um,
1: uh. Yeah, I also am in that position of like, you know, use a health potion. What if I need it later? You have eighty five. Yeah. I have one hundred and eighty five actually, but I don't want to use them. Yeah, right? Like, exactly. I, I don't know how to strike that back. Like, it, this happens to me. Um, I don't know so with like with like the the augment runes in WoW or whatever. Like, there will be sometimes where. I do use them and sometimes that I don't. And it's because, like, depending on the amount of them that I have, I feel as they are, I feel like they are a resource that I can burn, right? Like, if I have, right now I have like 80 of them, you know? And so I'm using them on world quests, right? Like, I go into Corthia and I pop an augment rune because they're nothing, essentially, at that point, right? But there are also times when, like, we're doing progression in Sire to Dathrius and I stop using these augment runes because I'm like, really what I care about is Mythic Plus, and I want to keep these augment runes from my Mythic Plus parses, <laughs> like, you know?
0: So so funnily enough, for me, the other side of that is, like, um, my augment runes have been a lot of, like, just, like, a source of income, right? Because, like, I have, like, regularly have, like, close to 120, and I'll sell down to 80, but the prices have been so cratered on them that it's like, well, I don't want to sell them because they're not worth, you know, it's not worth
1: <laughs> selling
0: them at this point.
1: I didn't know that the prices have cratered on them that, that bad, yeah, That's like My new thing, I've been making... I've been making a lot of gold on the legendary market again because um, I uh, what I didn't realize I was like I'm going to sell these 262 legendaries fuck yeah but like people you know people don't people buy like one 262 legendary right cuz you have to farm a lot of soul cinders in order to get that um, but I realized I was like wait but what if I just start selling 235s again and the thing is is people are overflowing in soul ash now cuz Torghast gives a bunch of extra soul ash so, um, so I've just been selling these two thirty five legendaries like constantly, like fucking hotcakes. Because people, I think, are trying out these uh, these other legendaries or like legendaries for other specs or whatever. Because um, you know, soul ash is so plentiful. You know, I I'm sitting on like fifteen thousand soul ash. And I'm just like, what the fuck am I ever gonna do with this? Like,
0: yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally get that. I've been farming soul cinders to upgrade my my touch of death ring because I spent my first set on 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 the raid legendary my my Feline stomp belt which i really like but like
1: uh, <laughs> oh yeah you got the fayline stomp belt Neat. Yeah. that is interesting is that like bis or is that just cuz you wanted it
0: um it is best for night fay which is not necessarily the best uh covenant um for okay. monks but if if you are night Fae, then it's the best legendary for 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 night fay or for for monks okay yeah um, sure that makes sense otherwise i think it's still uh, summoner, Invoker's Delight or whatever for, for the other one. It, it, it depends. Um, uh.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm... You know, people are really mad about, like, the systems or whatever of uh, of 9.1, and I'm sort of on that side. I don't like Shards of Domination overall. I like Shards of Domination and once it... Like, it sort of solves the Shriekwing problem of just, like, the boss in the raid that you've killed a million times and has no loot for nobody, and it just feels like a hassle. Like, at least killing grew. I'm gonna get... Shards, soul, soul embers, yeah, well, or whatever. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. To upgrade my shards and shit like that. But ultimately, the thing I really hate about shards is how unintuitive the gearing becomes. Because it's like, okay, well, do I, I have a two, you know, like let's say I pull a two fifty two thing, out of the vault, but I have two twenty, gloves that have a shard slot, it's like, is that worth it? I don't know, like, yeah. I hate that. That That's a very frustrating feeling. You, you
0: also have to kind of, like, do, ma- right? Like, I am missing a chest with a domination socket, right? But, like, and that's the only one I'm missing, and, like, theoretically, I should be pursuing one of those, and, like, if one comes up, but, like, I'm not gonna slot a DPS thing into it, so, like, there's, maybe it's not worth actually replacing, right? Like,
1: um, yeah, like, because it's, it's also the set bonuses are on specific pieces. Like, I have all of the frost shards and frost shoulders. I actually just now have, I have a chest piece, so I can now do the blood one, too. And it's like, do should I do the frost one? Do I do the blood set bonus or whatever? Like, I, just, like, those questions are, are, are very complicated. I, I we, you know, we know this is, like, a one-patch thing and, you know, um... I don't know. It's something I've been thinking about a lot recently is somebody linked to an old ghost crawler. Do you remember Ghost Crawler, like the original WoW lead?
0: Uh yes. Did he he was the, the WoW
1: lead from like Burning Yeah, he's at he's at Riot now. They're doing he's doing the, the Riot MMO. Um there was the Burning he was like I think he became game director in Burning Crusade. It was through all of Wrath, Cata, Mists. And then I think he left at the end of Mists or maybe in the beginning of the Warlord, something somewhere along those lines. Um He answered a question a couple of years ago that was about, like, unsubbing. He was like, you know, if I'm not happy with the game's systems, should I unsub as a way to tell the developers that I don't like their systems? And he said, the reason that people unsub from the game is I don't have enough time for this. I need, you know, like, I want to go back to school. I want to raise the family, I want to do whatever, and my friends are playing something else. And those two reasons dwarf everything so completely that no designer would ever look at that as feedback, or, like, ever look at the feedback of, I don't like these systems, as a core reason for why people unsub, right? Like, it's just so monumentally, like, low on the list. But he talks about how what designers do pay attention to is, like, the, the, the overall trend, right? So a designer doesn't really care about an individual unsub or even a spike of unsubs. They care about a declining trend of people unsubbing and, and figuring out why. And something that he said, which I thought was really interesting, he was like, designers have two, like, developers, have two thoughts here. One thought is, our players are bored, we need to innovate, we need to be bold, you know, like, this is the time for... Time to bring back our Yeah, well, no, no, no. no the, so, And then the other one is, we're too far from our roots. We need to go back to basics. You know, people are sick of this. Like, yeah, exactly, this new shit. And in the post he says that he's like, almost always i found the traditionalists are wrong. Which is really interesting in the modern state of WoW, where players are very obviously saying... I want a simpler experience, right? I want to return to stuff like class sets, for instance. Um, And I do think class sets are a good idea, and the, the experiment of getting rid of them has ultimately failed, or whatever else, right? But it's just like, that's a really interesting kind of thought. Like, at what point is the innovation... Of something like shards of domination, which is a very new system. It's we've never seen this kind of thing before, and it is legitimately new and interesting, right? But I also think that it's pretty bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I think it's bad. Like, I think the only way you can make this interesting is if you like make it an actual option, right? Because it's effectively a class set, but by like role, right? Like, and without anything interesting visually to go along with it, right? The class sets at least like look neat, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um.
1: Or the cl- See, this is the, the my other core thing. It also affects my rotation, right? My ro- my rotation does not change if I put on the, the blood set, if I put on the frost set, if I put on the unholy set, right? Fundamentally, my rotation is the exact same, so it doesn't actually influ- influence my gameplay at all. But one of the things that I always looked forward to when it came to a class set, right, is you look at your two and your four set bones, you go, oh my god. Now, when I use Blade storm I'm gonna... Use execute on everybody around me, or something. You know, like something crazy powerful, and that's something to be excited for. And it's something to build around. It's something to, you know, sort of um, uh, that that will like affect or change the way that you're you're playing, right? And I think that that's a big thing that is lacking in really
0: the. Because I I actually think the legendaries are pretty good at that, right? Like so, I
1: think the legendaries are good at that. Yes, so I do agree with you. I think the legendaries are good at that, but. So, the problem with going from 9.0 to 9.1, right? Imagine a world where I'm going from 9.0, and in 9.1, I get to equip a second Legendary. Or maybe I get, like, a second Legendary... Like, maybe the Covenant Legendary doesn't count towards your limit. So, everybody gets to equip the Covenant Legendary, for instance. Or something kind of along those lines, right? Um, Then we would be in, in a sim... Or, or maybe they get rid of all of the old conduits, and they say, okay, for Season 2, here's a bunch of new conduits to, to slot into your soulbinds or whatever, right? But the thing is, my, my bis legendary didn't change, right? Right, okay. And the only new thing I'm getting are the soulbind traits, which are legitimately, like, interesting and do change up my gameplay a little bit, right? Um, but they are ag- they're class agnostic. They don't interact with any of my abilities, except for in kind of, like, the unintuitive way of, like, oh, getting a bunch of extra mastery makes my Bladestorm hit harder, right? Like, th- that kind of thing. Um, and so, really, I'm playing the exact same class in 9.1 as I am playing him in 9.0, right? Like, I just... my My... I am in the exact same spot, right? Um, and uh, and I feel like that's the big failing of Shards of Domination, right? If a class set is there instead of Shards of Domination, or you can equip a second Legendary, or they rotate out Season 1 conduits and introduce a bunch of new conduits, right? There's something to shake up that rotation, that gameplay, a little bit for me um, and make it so that I'm not just, like, building the same thing over and over again. I think part of this is also made worse by being a kind of Mythic Plus player first, because in Mythic Plus I'm only ever getting 26 item level upgrades of gear that I've already farmed, right? And the worst part about that gear, and I will never not be fucking salty about this, the worst part about that gear is it is the same appearance as Mythic Zero shit, right? Like, I'm not even getting the cool Sanctum of Domination appearances, right? Or like the PvP appearances, right? Like that Those two share the set, the seasonal set. Mythic Plus is not. Mythic Plus, you're just getting, I'm getting the exact same shit, and all I've done is increase the item level by 26 points. Which, you know, to be fair, does feel good. It was a great reward to get my Bis Trinket and be able to pump it with all of this Valor, and now I have an extra 20 item levels on, on a Trinket that I had in 9.0. I like that Trinket. That Trinket's a lot of fun. It does big damage. It gives me lots of crit. That's not, that's nice, right? Um, but ultimately, like, there isn't anything that is like Shaking up my my gameplay, and I'm kind of feeling like I don't know, weirdly stagnant. I guess in terms of uh, where and what I'm playing.
0: That's fair. I got I got lucky, because not only not only did I switch up, like not only did my uh, my best legendary switch, um, in order to optimize on that, I had to switch one of my talents. I usually rolled G Wave, and I went to G Blast. Um, oh, interesting. Because because G Blast hit, so the the Night Fae Legendary doubles your chance of resetting feline stop. And mm-hmm. um cheap blast like basically guarantees a reset because like it'll hit like the enemy and like all of your allies in the raid. Right. So like it's like enough Oh, interesting. So I had to learn how to use that. So like that that's freshened it up for me. It's like ah, now I can do this level of mastery, right? Like um so yeah
1: um yeah yeah i mean part of you know my hope is that whenever 9.2 comes around there's gonna be like cool new shit to to look into i have i have very high hopes um because i think uh i don't know i i, I kind of get the sense that 9.1 because like it was delayed so much um it feels like a point 0.2 patch when it. Like as even though it is a .1 patch like the difference between 8.0 and 8.1 also was not that big but 8.1 came out four months after 8.0 so it was just like much quicker on the turnaround right and then 8.2 comes out and introduces new systems that radically redefine like the way that I was mm. playing at the time um, and you know famously we talked about this in the podcast then like I think 8.2 is when Battle for Azeroth got like legitimately good and like fun um, and so I don't know we'll see have, we'll see if nine point nine point two does that.
0: Have you heard the insane rumors that I am almost positive or false?
1: Oh my god. So first of all, I am legitimately one million percent positive they're false. Like the re the renaming yeah, Blizzard bl- to Insight.
0: Inside, yeah, and like yeah, you know, we're
1: canceling the Overwatch, Overwatch league. <laughs> canceling Overwatch 2, right? Like Yeah, we're ca- yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I you know <sighs> I have been dealing with these leagues for so long that it is Hard to convince me that a leak is real, but um, I guess my thing about the uh, my thing about any of these leaks is no one ever has that visibility. uh, Speak as you know, listen as a low-level game design person, like a person who's been working in game development for eight years, almost a decade at this point, right? Um, the only person who knows the top-level shit of what's going on in all of these different projects. Is like the fucking CEO, right? And like, yeah, like, unless Jay Allen Brack made a fucking four chan account, I don't think that he's gonna leave. You know, I just like great. holy J. fuck. Jay
0: Allen Brack is just like mad. He's like, they made me resign, so I'm gonna leave all this shit. <laughs> like, oh my god, oh,
1: could you imagine? Oh, uh, I don't
0: know. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, have you been paying any attention to this lawsuit stuff? Or are you done with the? Um,
0: like- so so frankly, um, it hasn't popped up in uh in. Uh, was it Hoglaw's series? Um, virtually, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I haven't like, watched it. Yeah, no. So I haven't been paying attention. I don't think there's been a lot of movement either, right? Like, cause like, yeah,
1: I also don't think that there's been a lot of movement. So I, yeah. Uh, the one new thing that I saw is they're hiring a lot of extra people for the Warcraft team, which I think is good, obviously. Yeah. They opened up like 20s positions, which is the kind of thing, you know, people who are. I think there are a lot of people who are invested in, Blizzbad. Wow, bad, you know, like and want like the game to fail or whatever. um But I th- I feel like if you're looking for signs of the apocalypse, hiring a bunch of people to the team is probably not. Oh yeah, else, I, right? I, I was like, gonna say
0: one of these like fake rumors was that like nine point three was gonna be was gonna release and that was gonna be it for a while I was like, you don't hire twenty people if that's gonna happen, right? Yeah, like, I mean,
1: come, God, come on, right? Like. <laughs> Oh god, that's funny. Yeah, man, I just want good. the The, the old leaks used to be more fun because they were like expansion leaks and like what's going What's going to happen next in the in the story? And people put a lot of time into making very good fake leaks, you know. Mm. Um, but hey, you know, I don't know. What are you gonna do? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh-huh, I guess that's about it.
0: Yeah. Did, 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 did you do anything else this
1: week? I did not. I watched a lot of Scrubs. I've been watching Scrubs recently.
0: Oh, I. That's I love. I used to For, love that show.
1: I also love that show, and the weird Zach Braff went to my high school, so oh. I feel I I. I'm oh, that certain, makes
0: sense. I, that's right. He was from, He's from the Garden State. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I watched his TV production movie, which was like this mythical thing because he was obviously famous at the time. Like he was in Scrubs at the time that um, that we were all in high school and. uh... And go, getting to watch the movie that the actor made when he was a student like me. And it's just like any other, you know, it was terrible. <laughs> they are <were> all
0: bad. <laughs> no, very similar thing happened. Um, the, I think it was the directors of Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle went to my high school. Um, and, no way and, and, like,
1: that actually makes so much sense because that 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 movie is so full of like really esoteric new Jersey yeah reference.
0: yeah though no, exactly it's
1: also a rare movie that I think gets the geography right I don't like like you know what do we complain I complained about this with Captain Marvel right like they filmed Captain Marvel in the South Bay where I live so I could see when they teleported streets you know or whatever else right but I feel like Harold and Kumar you really could legitimately chart their path. Through New Jersey, and it would be yeah relatively accurate, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking the same thing happened with um Ant Man, um in San yeah. Francisco, like the same same type of vibes. But yeah, no, I think I think you're right about Harold and Kumar. Um, uh, I haven't actually seen it, but apparently the same thing happens uh, with 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 our campus, um, on uh, the social network, which makes. Which is
1: oh yeah more I... <laughs>
0: forgivable because it's not actually set on our campus; it was just filmed there. Yeah, right. well,
1: because Harvard won't let you film on Harvard, so they use Hopkins too. Yeah, Hopkins doesn't you know. care. It look it looks like it looks like Harvard, right? Like um, it's a bunch of brick buildings in yeah, a quad. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're over time. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, ab- absolutely. Um,
0: the only thing I want to um, mention before we get out of here is I also okay. finished um, Dune Messiah, and I'm on to Children of Dune. And, oh boy, here we go. Um, and I think. Do, like, I think I agree with the people who say that Dune's the best one, and it just kind of goes downhill from there. It doesn't mean I think it's bad, but I, I just, like, uh, I've got some deeper thoughts, and I'll hold them until I guess I'm done. I'm reading, or I'm listening. I'm listening to all these on tape to Children of Dune, um, and uh, I might have some more thoughts at the end of it. It's a weird series, but it's good, you know. I definitely, Like I said, I definitely recommend Dune to anyone, and if you like it, I'd say move on to the other books, but, uh, yeah.
1: Okay, sounds do, cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, did you want to say something? Uh, did you want to? Do you have anything you want to promote before we get out of here?
1: I do have one thing I want to promote. first of all, if anybody cares, I'm giving a talk at Devcom this week at 9 a.m. Pacific on Wednesday. Uh, Devcom is you know famous. It's kind of like Gamescom, but in you know it's it's like the big GDC equivalent, essentially in the EU. So that's cool. Uh, I am also launching a game that exact same day. It's called Behind the Frame. It's great. (laughs) It's it's uh, it is sort of like an adventure puzzle game, a lot like Mutazione, but shorter and uh, more. I don't know. It's a it's a very like laid back painter movie. People think about people have compared it a lot to Pixar and Studio Ghibli, which I think are both very apt comparisons. I guess. Um, So if that interests you, it's available on Steam on Wednesday, and yeah, that's it. What's the name of that game again? Behind the frame. Behind the frame. All
0: right. Well, if you'd like to email us and tell us what you thought about anything you talked about on this podcast, like Humankind or uh, Grime or anyth- or uh, World of Warcraft, because we- that's we'll perpetually talk about, the World of Warcraft. Um, you can email us at nerdplaygames uh, at gmail.com or podcast at, uh, games at uh, Rate and review us on iTunes and all the other places. You can follow us at twitch.tv, social these go out live. Um, we should probably talk about uh, beating... Uh, Sylvanas next time, since we we, we, we didn't talk. About oh, that's clue.
1: true. Well, we haven't done the whole raid. Maybe when we get AATC, we'll do another Sanctum episode. Do you yeah. want to do? We can do a Sanctum episode. I don't know. we'll, we'll have to think. About yeah, we'll
0: it. probably do a Sanctum episode. That's probably we the should do.
1: Call. We should do a couple things. We should do a wish list. We did. A, we did a wish list episode. That I don't remember what what, what ended up being on the, our wish list Neither do I. <laughs> or if it got met, but we should do a wish list episode before nine point two. Yeah, maybe before nine point one point five, which you know I, the, is theoretically around the corner.
0: Yeah, maybe we should go back and listen to our, our wish list episode and see see how that panned out. Yeah, and see we how probably, it's probably going should out have done that out. already because like, made... we really
1: should have. That would have been that would have been a great like segment, right?
0: Uh yeah um but yeah I think that's everything I have. Uh, unless you have anything else Uh, as the train goes by again um, there's been three trains this episode which is I think a record
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's a record
0: uh, uh, well in that case uh, until next time dear listeners
1: until next time loyal listeners